feel I feel really hopeless right now. I'm not even gonna lie to you. I feel like it's out of our control. Local protests after a draft abortion ruling is leaked, but what would it mean for us here? For all that talk from the mayor about fixing potholes, why are fewer of them now being filled? Governor Kelly set to make history as Kansas greenlights sports betting. So how will it work? And why is Missouri struggling to do the same? Plus, last week I mentioned how the Golden Girls would have been banned from one city in Johnson County. Now it's law and getting national attention. Did Shawnee really enact a roommate ban? Renters want to live in good neighborhoods just like everyone else. Week in Review is made possible through the generous support of AARP Kansas City, RSM, Dave and Jamie Cummings, Bob and Marlise Gorley, the Courtney S. Turner Charitable Trust, John H. Mize and Bank of America N.A. co-trustees, and by viewers like you. Thank you. Welcome, I'm Nick Haynes. It is good to have you with us on our weekly journey through Kansas City's most impactful, confusing, and befuddling local news stories. Hopping on board the Week in Review bus with us this week is our senior reporter, Mary Sanchez, formerly of the Kansas City Star, and Dave Helling, who still calls the Star home. Also with us, reporter and managing editor for the Shawnee Mission Post and Blue Valley Post, Kyle Palmer, and KMBC9 political analyst, Michael Mahoney. Up first, the publication of a draft opinion that suggests the Supreme Court is preparing to throw out Roe v. Wade put the question of abortion back at the centre of the nation's political debate this week. It also ignited a whirlwind of reaction about what happens where we live. It's important to note that overturning Roe would not mean abortion would be outlawed coast to coast. Rather, it would give individual states like Kansas and Missouri the exclusive right to set their own abortion policies. So what would that mean here? Apparently, it depends on where you live. Let's start in Missouri. In 2019, Missouri passed a trigger law that would make it a felony for medical providers to perform any abortion except in cases of medical emergency if Roe is struck down. So if we had a Supreme Court ruling tomorrow, Michael Mahoney, would that automatically become the law in Missouri? It would become the law pretty quickly, both uh, um, the the abortion restrictors in the Missouri legislature and certainly the attorney general, Eric Schmidt, are indicating that once that opinion uh, became uh, formal, if uh, that's what the opinion is going to be, striking down Roe versus Wade, he would enact uh, or, or would declare that that was uh, the law in the state of Missouri. So that could happen uh, instantaneously. Uh, so we'll see. The situation, as I imagine we're about to discuss, is much different in Kansas right now. Yeah, but let's continue with Missouri for a moment, though, Mary. Right. Wouldn't there be lawsuit after lawsuit after law lawsuit? Wouldn't we have corporations saying they would never come to Missouri anymore, the NCAA saying they would never play a game in Missouri any longer? Well, we'll see. But here's the problem. I mean, Missouri is not that out of line with as extreme as some of this sounds it, to many women, frankly. Missouri is not that far out of line with so many other states. 26 other states are ready to get rid of abortion as a legal option for women. 60% of the U.S. population believes that abortion should be legal with restrictions, generally in rape, incest. Now we have a Supreme Court 
and state legislatures that are doing everything that they can do to get rid of that right. In that the Missouri trigger law, you could only have an abortion in, in cases of a medical emergency. Rape and incest would not be part of that. But let's talk about, as Michael Mahoney mentions then, what about Kansas? This may come as a surprise to some people, but Kansas currently has one of the most liberal abortion laws in the country. That's because in 2019, the Kansas Supreme Court ruled uh, that the state's constitution protected a woman's right to abortion. So if Roe was struck down this weekend, Kyle, nothing would change in Kansas? Well, not for the time being. And of course, we have the impending vote on um, the abortion amendment, which I think we'll get to in Kansas. But um, as for now, no. I mean, I think there are uh, still legal options for people to get abortions in Kansas, including at a Planned Parenthood clinic in Overland Park. Um, so that is the case right now in Kansas. We've seen some of those yard signs for that constitutional amendment already, Dave Helling. They say the value them both amendment. There are ads on TV about this. This is going to be an August ballot vote. And they say Kansas could be the first state to have a referendum on Roe v. Wade. If it is passed, what would happen in Kansas? It would then be up to the legislature to set whatever restrictions that it wants to on the uh, right to abortion in Kansas. It simply overrules the Supreme Court and says, no, the state legislature can make that decision. Now, we should be clear, if Roe is discarded by the Supreme Court, the focus on Kansas this summer will be enormous, including tens of millions of dollars, one would assume, in TV advertising and other attempts to get out the vote, because it will be seen as a referendum in some ways on what the court decides. Before we get into the political aspects of this, I still want to drill down just a little bit more on the practical nature of this. Longtime Week in Review viewer Steve emailed this week, uh, Mary, to ask, while women in St. Louis can just cross a bridge into Illinois, what are the options for metro area women if Roe is overturned? Presumably a Missouri resident could travel to Kansas for the procedure? Yes, Overland Park still has, you know, has a clinic, and as does Wichita, um, including the one, frankly, that was... George Tiller, which leads us into where this is heading politically and, you know, just makes me shudder if we ever go into another state of summer of mercy like Wichita saw around that clinic, which was bombings and ultimately the murder of George Tiller. I mean, just this, the venom and the feelings around this issue are so strong. And there's a lot of healthcare, particularly for poorer women who are generally African-American and Latino, their options to travel are going to be so much lesser just by financial resources. So we do need to keep in mind who this harms the most. But it's been surprising that Kansas has been a sort of abortion sanctuary in the Midwest, Kyle. We see in the Wichita, one of the Wichita clinics now says half of their patient volume is now coming from Oklahoma. And 44% of all the abortions performed in Kansas were from uh, Missouri residents. Yeah, I mean, I think looking at the state data provided by the Kansas Department of Health and Environment is kind of instructive to, to ground yourself in who we are really talking about. Um, yeah, about 7,850 abortions overall performed in Kansas in 2021. Of course, that is down from the peak in the late 90s and 2000s when restrictions started to go in place. But you're right, Nick, about half of them are from non-residents, the vast majority of those non-residents coming from Missouri. I've seen reports that, that women have traveled hundreds of miles to go to the clinic in Overland Park. But I should also point out, you know, that state data also says, I mean, again, just to give an idea about who we're talking about, roughly 85% of the abortions performed are on patients who are unmarried. Um, a big percentage of them, about 33%, are um, on patients who are between the ages of 20 and 24. 
And then more than 45% of these patients are either Black or Hispanic. So you could make the case that the median person impacted by this debate in Kansas is going to be a young, single woman of color. And so I think we can't forget that as we talk about what the political ramifications of this are. Just quickly, there are two uh, items of note here. First, legislators in Missouri have discussed a bill that would prohibit Missourians from leaving the state to obtain an abortion in Illinois or Kansas or any other state. There, that, that's a questionable legality. It would certainly face a legal challenge, but at least there's some discussion here uh, of prohibiting people from traveling for abortion. And second, Republicans in Washington are pondering a nationwide uh, ban on uh, most abortions. And if that happens, then traveling from Missouri to Kansas, even if Kansas remains a state in which abortions are available, a nationwide ban could have a dramatic impact on that as well. So those are two developments we need to watch as we consider this idea of people leaving one state for another. And um, what are the bigger, broader political implications here, Michael Mahoney? We have been sort of told over the last several months that, you know, Governor Laura Kelly has a very hard time getting reelected this year. Sharice Davids may be toast in the third congressional district in Kansas as another Democrat uh, running for office this year. Uh, at a time when we're told that people are frustrated about rising prices, does the abortion, an abortion ruling change the dynamics in Kansas and give life to Governor Laura Kelly and Sharice Davids? Democrats are hoping that this is a sort of galvanizing event that, uh, that will boost uh, voter enthusiasm for uh, Democrats. Now, what remains to be seen, given the economics uh, in the country right now with inflation and housing and gasoline prices, um, a lot of people vote their pocketbooks. But the reason you hear Republicans talking more about the egregious nature of the leak is they fear that a potential strike down of Roe is a political loser for them. How do you see that, Mary? It's a huge issue draw for some voters, but so many people just don't vote. And we'll see, is this something that will bring in particularly younger women and their families who are still of reproductive age? We'll see. While we talk about big issues like abortion, sometimes it's the smallest issues that can prove the most divisive and upsetting. Take potholes. This week, the Kansas City Star reveals that for all the talk from Mayor Lucas about fixing potholes, the city filled far fewer of them last year. A third less, in fact, in absolute numbers, 23,000 less. But wasn't this the issue candidate Quinton Lucas said he'd be on top of if you elected him mayor? My question for both of y'all is the potholes in the third and the fifth district. They are bigger than the four oceans. I'm going to be someone who makes sure we hold on to our promise, addressing existing infrastructure and making sure we don't have these issues. Fast forward to his first weeks on the job, and Lucas says he's so serious about fixing the problem, he promises he'll appoint a new pothole czar. What we are looking to is to have a person whose responsibility is where it stops. So what happened, Michael Mahoney? He was going to be the pothole czar. Yeah, good, uh, good question. The city says that um, they have spent uh, more of their effort on street paving and the fact that they're short on folks on the pothole crews, uh, that it's a tough job, doesn't pay that well, and, and there's lots of turnover. But um, all of that is ringing hollow, I think, to a lot of uh, Kansas City motorists and Metro motorists that are driving on Kansas City, Missouri streets. Basic services from City Hall are something that people absolutely expect to be uh, uh, dealt with. And this report uh, is really tough medicine for the mayor.
Dave Helling, the city's public works uh, superintendent in the Kansas City Star story, says, it, yes, it's about staff shortages. It's about low starting pay. By the way, that's $16.57 an hour, $16.57. And a lack of interest in public works among younger generations. That's the issue. So if, if the mayor is now saying we're going to try and hire more people, isn't that going to be a challenge if nobody really is interested in working for a public works department and they don't get paid enough? Right. That's a problem that's not just unique to Kansas City, Missouri, of course. That's true across the region and across the country. So it's only a partial explanation for the problem, Nick. The other or one other possible explanation is the aging nature of Kansas City roads, how, uh, how old they are, the difficult winters, freezing and thawing cycles. Well, we can review viewer Bill has a more clearer explanation. He says, if there's such a staff shortage, I am confused as to why the surrounding municipalities can accomplish this task. Are those other cities facing the same problem, Kyle, or is this one of those myths we like to tell ourselves? Oh, well, didn't you know, Nick, that the, the streets in Johnson County are paved in gold? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, I kid, the streets in Johnson County are not perfect. In fact, one of the worst local roads that I regularly drive on is State Line Road south of 75th and Prairie Village. Of course, that's immediately adjacent to Kansas City. One thing we always hear, of course, Michael Mahoney, from Kansas City, Missouri officials is, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, per square mile, is actually larger than New York City, and yet has only a fraction of the population to support it. The number is something around 6,400 lane miles in Kansas City that uh, City Hall is responsible for. That's a far larger number than any of the suburbs around, uh, around it. It's a factor in uh, snow removal. It's certainly a factor in, in, in potholes. But the thing is, is voters and, and, and drivers don't think about that. They think about the fact that they're having to take their front or back end in uh, because it's out of a little alignment. But, 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 yeah, but why, why, Michael, is it that this does not seem to be hurting the mayor? Well, I don't, uh, I don't know that you can say that uh, right now. The violent crime rate is going to be a problem when he seeks re-election. The street issue is going to be a problem if this is not addressed immediately and has to the point of, well, there, there's no potholes are running. It's really early in the cycle for the Lucas re-election. It's real early. Uh, I w wouldn't look for anything to happen uh, on that uh, political front for the next mayor's race until at least the fall, probably after the midterms. Well, we mentioned it in our Big Story Miss segment last week. I asked, could the Golden Girls have lived in Shawnee after the Johnson County city becomes one of the first in the region to make co-living illegal? Rose, is this another one of those Scandinavian Viking concoctions? Yes! <laughs> it's called Gnurkenfurtenkirch. <laughs> This week, a new law goes into effect in Shawnee that outlaws subletting to unrelated adults. It's now capturing national attention with some headlines, calling it the Kansas Roommate Ban. Shawnee is a leader in banning this in Johnson County and maybe in the whole country. Renters want to live in good neighborhoods just like everyone else. We need more cities to look at co-living and shared living as an opportunity to add housing. Now, when I say on this program we track the week's most confusing and befuddling stories, this would be one of them, because a lot of the news reports on this seem to be all over the place in how many people can now live with you. Who would be affected, even? Kyle Palmer, can you help us out on this? First of all, what is the motivation behind Shawnee doing this in the first place? What evil deeds and horrible practices were happening there that prompted the city council to do this in the first place? Well, I think the, the kerfuffle over this has, I think, caught some members of the city council off guard. Uh, the council member who brought the idea forward initially, her name is Jacqueline Walters. She um, said that she had been getting a few complaints from residents. We're talking about some isolated, maybe you know, a handful of complaints from residents in her ward about real estate developers 
developers who had uh, taken over, um, you know, let's call them traditionally single family home properties and, and converting or remodeling them in a way to allow for multiple units inside to, to make way for what could be a co-living space. Can you help us understand, though, I mean, how many roommates can you have that are not related to you? There just seems to be yes, so well, many the, different the, versions the, of that. The critical Golden Girls question. So I can't remember if there were three or four Golden Girls. That's, there are four Golden Girls, that. but one of them <laughs> okay. is related to each other because it's the mother oh, a... is uh, Dorothy's mother. Yes. Yeah. So um, I think some of the rhetoric about this this ordinance, you know, quote unquote, banning roommates that you saw in some viral social media posts might be a, a bit misleading. But this ordinance does say that it will allow for up to three unrelated adults to live in the same space. So more than that. And, and yes, you couldn't have a fourth. I mean, it also doesn't count kids. So if you had three adults who all had kids, um, then all those people could theoretically live together under the same roof. And this is all happening, Mary, and in a backdrop of huge housing prices. People are trying to save money, aren't they? And uh, wouldn't you think a city would want to encourage folks to try and share the costs of housing during this very difficult time? I think it does open up the broader conversation about housing and affordability and how people are making their way. But just picking at how this was messaged out, how this was done, I don't think gets us there. It's almost like a sidetrack because frankly, it was kind of misreported and then some advocates picked up on it. You were doing the truth check reports, uh, Dave Helling, for many, many years, of course, on KCTV5. Would the uh, media on this story be getting a, uh, a pass-fail, true or false, on this? Well, I would not make that judgment without taking a look at all the stories, which I have not done. So let me just say that there is more reporting to be done, and I think that's <laughs> obvious here. Two things I point out. First, enforcement of this is going to be an interesting challenge for the people in Shawnee. Will they go door to door and ask everyone come, to come out, show their papers? I mean, it's going to be a difficult thing to enforce. And the second thing, Nick, is that I'm glad to know that Three's Company, which was also a, fa a famous TV show, is apparently still allowed under the Shawnee ordinance. <laughs> Did Kansas, by the way, Downton Abbey would not have been allowed uh, yeah, because there are too many people out. living in that house, that high clear castle. Right Did, out. <laughs> Did Kansas beat Missouri this week, not in football or basketball, but in crossing the finish line first on sports betting? After years of debate, Kansas is about to become the 34th state in the nation to legalize sports betting. Under the measure, Kansas would get a 10% cut on every bet placed. And where would the money go? 80% of it would be funneled into a special fund to help lure the Chiefs or another major sports team to the state. That part I get. What I don't get is how this will work. Would you have to go to one of the current casinos in Kansas, Michael Mahoney, to place a bet? Or will there be new betting offices set up all around the state? You would not have to go to a casino. You could do it on your phone from as long as you were in the, in the state of Kansas. This has just been interesting to watch because both Kansas and Missouri started on this journey towards allowing sports book and sports betting at about the same time. And um, a lot of people thought at the time uh, when it started that this would be a no-brainer, that both states would do it qu quickly. It's turned out to be exactly the opposite. And it does uh, uh, look like, in fact, I'm certain of it now, that Kansas is going to beat uh, Missouri across the finish line on, uh, on this. And um, then you're going to have, um, you know, Missourians around here and in Joplin and um, St. Joe and everything. Um, going across the river or across the state line to, uh, you know, throw a flutter down on uh, the Chiefs or the Royals or KU, MU, whatever. And Kansas police could be waiting for them at that state line to arrest them, Michael Mahoney. Uh, Dave Helling, no, why, though, yeah, why no, though did Missouri... <laughs> OK, why did Missouri, though, stall? Why is it considered dead there? Well, actually, uh, this week there are uh, attempts to revive it because there are supporters of sports gambling who won't give up until the adjournment comes, Nick. But 
First of all, there's a general resistance to gambling measures uh, on the part of some members of the legislature. And it also got tangled up in these quasi slot machine operations that have popped up in Missouri in, uh, in, in grocery stores and gas stations and, and bars, uh, which are fiercely resisted by the existing casinos, but supported by lobbyists who say, hey, look, it's a way to bring in money uh, to these smaller mom and pop operations. And that got tangled up into sports gaming. So that's why Missouri has a bit of a problem. Let me also just say quickly in Kansas, Nick, the idea that this would provide a windfall to bring the chiefs over into Wyandotte County is maybe a little aggressive because at most there would probably be about $4 million a year available for a sports team that wouldn't nearly pay for a new stadium. There would obviously have to be other expenditures. That would pay for a professional darts team to move from <laughs> Missouri to Kansas. But uh, let's talk a bit more about this uh, Kansas bill, Kyle. The bill actually states in Kansas each casino can partner with up to 50 retailers to offer in-person betting. Does that mean you could be placing a bet on the Chiefs while browsing for cornflakes at the Hy-Vee in Prairie Village, for instance, if they wanted to partner with them? I don't think you're thinking big enough, Nick, because I live right down the street from the Mission Gateway site. That could just be a new site for a casino. What are we, I mean, what are we thinking here? And if you live in Kansas and you're salivating at the notion of being able to sports bet now in your own state, you have to chill your heels this will not be implemented until the first week of September. Sports betting got most of the attention this week, but another bill on Kansas Governor Laura Kelly's desk could have far more impact. For several years now, there's been a contentious debate over the wisdom of building border walls. Is it time to remove the invisible border walls that surround our schools? Kansas lawmakers sent to the governor a bill allowing parents to enroll their children in any public school they wish, regardless of where they live. Under the measure, a school could only deny admission if they were at maximum capacity. Several local school district leaders say the policy change will lead to chaos in the classrooms. Really, Cal Palmer, what's the motivation behind this measure? What do its backers hope it will do? Bring more potential school choice, bring more power to parents to determine the educations of their kids, at least that's the way they would frame it. The Johnson County districts that have been opposing this measure have said that it could, you know, create chaos. Uh, what, what are they afraid of? Issues. You know, they point out that if you know, these Johnson County districts are high performing, then possibly they would be a destination for, for other students in other districts, possibly special education and ELL students who by right of law require more funding per head. Um, the district worries that those, they would not be remunerated fully for taking on those, those extra kids who do require that extra funding and extra support. And also just the fact that schools, which believe themselves to already be cash strapped because they're still not fully funded under the foundation formula in Kansas, would have to spread those resources even further um, by educating students who actually aren't part of their tax base. Mary, could this, though, be a fairer system? I saw one of the arguments here. Should the quality of a student's public education depend only on where the parents can afford to live or purchase a home? Doesn't this allow more people to be able to attend great schools? Well, in theory, yes. Um, in practicality, probably no, because there's no transportation costs involved. And so generally, it's going to be the families who can afford to move, just like the families who can afford to pay a private education are the ones who end up being able to take advantage of this. Now, when you put a program like this together every week, you can't get to every story grabbing the headlines. What was the big local story we missed? Cleanup continues in Kansas after a tornado damages more than a thousand buildings in Andover. Defying calls for clemency, Missouri executes common deck. Only three other states have executed prisoners this year. 
For the third straight week, a cyber attack continues to disrupt government services in Wyandotte County. Mayor Garner holds a press conference but refuses to answer questions from reporters. Has there been any demand for money? I don't have any comment on that. Is the next big makeover in Kansas City coming to the West Bottoms? A New York developer quietly buying up more than 25 acres of land with plans for 1,200 apartments, shops, and restaurants. The Metro celebrating Cinco de Mayo, and Kansas City throws a big birthday bash for its best-known civil rights leader. Alvin Brooks turns 90. And after nearly 50 years in business, Rainy Day Books is up for sale. Alrighty, Michael Mahoney, did you pick one of those stories or something completely different? All the worry about uh, Manuel Cleaver's 5th District congressional seat uh, is settled now. Uh, Missouri will uh, try to get uh, another redistricting plan through the legislature before the end of next uh, uh, week with the uh, session ends. The battleground seemed to be Boone County, where they're splitting it a couple of different ways, and the 2nd District, which is suburban St. Louis. Wow, so we won't be talking about maps anymore. I, I almost got a degree in uh, photography next week we will. in this. Okay, uh, Dave. You mentioned uh, Mayor Tyrone Garner of the Unified Government, Nick. The other thing that we need to pay attention to is apparently he walked out of a meeting the other day with other commissioners talking about uh, a process for hiring a permanent county administrator. Mayor Garner has walked out of other sessions. He won't answer questions. Somebody needs to get with the mayor and talk to him about his responsibilities to the public before people really, really get upset in that county. Mary. I want to um, wish... Alvin Brooks, a happy 90th birthday. And But what a lot of the conversation has been about around Mr. Brooks is just who else is going to be passing the torch to be able to handle that sort of broad spectrum of a career. I can't think of very few leaders who have been that involved in Kansas City at that many significant levels for that many decades in time. And I want to celebrate him and his life and also maybe put the push behind others to think of how you could serve at that deep of a level. We're going to give you, by the way, Mary Sanchez's private cell phone number if you want to step up to the plate as a result of that. Thank you, Mary. And Kyle Palmer. Uh, you mentioned it, but I also wanted to say a little bit more about Rainy Day Books. Of course, it is an institution in Northeast Johnson County, one of the few remaining independent locally owned bookstores in the metro. Uh, Vivian Jennings and Roger Doran uh, announced in a customer newsletter that they plan to retire. They've done this for 47 years, <laughs> so who can blame them? And they specifically mentioned they wanted to spend more time with their grandkids and and two new great grandkids. Of course, it's a it's a bookstore, but Rainy Day is also notable for for all its author events. They bring in really big name authors all the time. It's a loss for sure, but also a time to celebrate what Rainy Day has been and what it could still be for the future because they've made it very clear that they would like to sell it to somebody to continue. And that could be you at home. You could be running Rainy Day Books as a result of what Kyle Palmer is telling us here. And on that, we will say our week has been reviewed. Thanks to Mary Sanchez, senior reporter for our digital newsroom, Flatland KC, from the Shawnee Mission Post. Kyle Palmer, Channel 9's Michael Mahoney and the stars Dave Helling. And I'm Nick Haynes. From all of us here at Kansas City PBS, be well, keep calm, and carry on.